Hello, mountain bikers, and welcome to Pink Pod number 43. I'm Mike Levy, usually your host for these things, and I've got my intern, Mike Casimer, our favorite UK content manager, James Smirthwaite, and the smile to our frowns, the giggles to our moaning, Casimer, Sarah Moore. Sarah, how was your weekend, and how many times did you ride bikes? I rode bikes on Saturday for the third day in a row, pretty good for January, and yeah, I did a big long ride. And then Sunday I went cross-country skiing actually, because, you know, it's still January. We don't need you to do all bikes all the time quite yet. You had a multi-sport weekend, Sarah. That's the best kind. That's why I live in the Sea to Sky Corridor. Right. Casimir, it wasn't a freezing monsoon this weekend. I'm guessing you rode bikes as well. I did. Yeah, I rode bikes. Skiing's not quite as good down here as it was. So I went biking both days and also cleared a bunch of blowdown because we had a crazy windstorm, but it was a good weekend. We did have a gnarly windstorm, didn't we? Yeah, it's like 80 mile an hour winds in some yeah. places. There's some huge like messes on the trails, but there's a good saw gang here. So things are getting cleared pretty right, quick. Right. James, you're in the UK. I know you're in the middle of a lockdown. Did you get out on the weekend? I did get out on the weekend. Yeah. In a weird way, it kind of makes me go out more because I feel like I have to take that mandated period of exercise. So um, yeah, it makes me go out most days, which is actually weirdly like counterintuitively quite good. Right. Makes you take advantage of that opportunity. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, James I got out is going to well come out of lockdown, like super fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> James is just crushing Zwift inside when he's locked in and training outside whenever he's allowed out like an animal. <laughs> yeah. Big numbers coming. I did an urban pedal in the city on the weekend, which was mostly stopping to eat terrible food and doing huge long skids on the paths but we're gonna get to guilty pleasures skidding is one of my guilty pleasures before we get to that we need to get to the news james take it away thanks mike um first up we have the switch grade uh this is a, a homemade little mechanism um that replaces a, ra- a rider's seat post rail um and allows you to change your saddle angle on the fly um, so there are three positions, each one in kind of 10 degree increments, um, a, no- a nose pointed down one for climbing, uh, a flat one for sort of undulating terrain, and then a nose pointed up one for descending. Um, it sounds a bit like the old specialized, I think it was called like the woo command post or something that tilted your saddle back as it dropped. Um, but on this, you, you control kind of where and when your saddle adjusts, whereas that one, it was kind of fixed. Um, seems like a great idea to me. Um, what did you guys think? Yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, I don't personally, I don't really, I don't know if I, how much I would use it, but I kind of want to try it just to see if maybe it's something I've been missing out on. Like who knows, maybe I like the seat better in that position for really steep climbs, but it looks like it doesn't probably doesn't add a ton of weight. I think the only thing it'll add is stack height, which could be an issue for some people if they really want to run the absolute longest dropper post, but it looks pretty clever. Yeah. It's a hundred grams weight extra. So like I mean, you know, if you're riding a big enduro bike, like what's 100 grams, you know, mm-hmm. if it provides a big benefit, then it's probably worth it. So, Casimir, what's the deal? Why would you want to adjust the angle of your seat um, in relation to the seat height? Why would somebody want their seat tipped way forward when it's up high or tipped backwards when it's down low? So when it's all the way extended and you tip the nose down a little bit, you're kind of putting the basically the widest part of the seat is easier to rest on. You're kind of pushing against that instead of it feeling like the narrow part of the seat is going where it doesn't need to go. Uh, Just on for, for extra steep climbs and then more rolling terrain, you could kind of have in that flat position. And then for descending, it tips the nose up and that way the back of the seat is more out of the way. It's even lower than it would be. Um, So so it seems like it, it makes sense. Did you ever try that specialized woo post? I never did. Um, yeah, no, I never did. I remember the issue with that people were saying was it only had maybe 115, 125 mils a drop. They tried to say that the fact that it was tipping helped make it feel like a longer travel post, but I think that the re- that didn't turn out to be the case. Right, right. So James, is this guy selling this switch grade thing or what's what's the deal? Um, I don't know. I, the impression I got was that it was still kind of in development. Um, it looks kind of prototypey for lack of a better word like pretty like freshly machined um but um yeah i'm not sure on price on that one all right well maybe we'll get one of those in for casimir to test so moving on we re-ran a poll from five years ago asking how important water bottles are to your riding uh it's obviously a drum we've been banging for a few years um and the results have definitely changed 
In 2016, 47% of our readers wore a pack, 45% used bottles, so pretty even split there. Um, but now the number using a bottle has risen to 72%, with just 31 still using a pack. Um, and then the, the second question we asked was, um, does a bike's ability to take a water bottle affect your buying decision? So in 2016, uh, only 18% of people said it was a major factor for them, and now it's up to 46 So I guess the hard work's paying off, guys. Yeah, leave you the hydration pack companies that have come for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hope so. Bring it. Bring it. I don't under... Yeah, I mean, it's good to see, obviously, people... Uh, thinking and saying hey it's important for me to have some water it's you can't just not have water casimir you agree right oh yeah 100 and i think yeah. these days people are realizing they don't have to pack as if they're going to go climb everest for an hour and a half ride like if you just bring a few essentials you'll be fine so you don't need to have these giant like packs yeah. you could use for a multi-day trip and on bike storage as well has probably been a big part of that is as well james i would imagine in that number people don't have to People could stuff a jacket if they if they have a trekker specialized down in the down tube or whatever, and there are other ways to do things. So don't wear packs. Ugh. When was the last time you wore a pack, Sarah? Actually, I have noticed that I feel way better after a ride when I drink enough water. You guys should try it sometime. Weird. Just like don't feel smoked after the ride. Like you can go way further. So yeah, that's my new my new thing is carrying a liter of water on my back. Like you should just get one of those little water filters. That's what I carry. Uh, yeah, I did have one of those and then it kind of turned yellow. Maybe I need another one. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're like 50 bucks. They're so good. It's like, I can go on long summer rides for as long as I want and just have, I mean, yeah. obviously it depends where you live, but around here we have plenty of water. So yeah, it depends where, where I ride this time of the year. It's true. There's a lot of water around. I have a question for you, Sarah. Does your bike hold two bottles? What, what bike do you ride? And does it hold two bottles? Right now I've got an Ibis Ritmo and it does not carry two bottles. It only carries one big bottle. So usually I put like a hydration mix in that bottle and then just water on my back. Well, in the news with someone who's probably drunk a lot of water this year, and that's Margot Elliott. Um, and it's a pretty incredible feat she's achieved. Um, she became the first woman to climb a million feet in a year on a mountain bike. And that's over 1,000 hours of riding, 6,292 miles in total. Uh, and it averages out at 3,775 feet every day for a year. Um, this is super gnarly. Sarah, you spoke to her. Can you tell us some more about this? Yeah. I mean, there's so much to like, it's just such an impressive feat. And like, the more you think about it, the harder it is to wrap your head around. Um, it's just like such a huge commitment for an entire year. Um, and there are some things that like the pandemic, made it easier because she wasn't, you know, going on social engagements with friends as much or missing out. And she was able to work from home. So she was able to work uh, to ride during the day a bit. Um, but I mean, there's stuff that goes wrong. Like she got in a car accident and her bike rear end got broken and she got a saddle sore and there was the California wildfires. So like a lot happens in a year and like to have that you know, commitment for an entire year is just super, super impressive. Like my ride on the weekend was one of her three weekdays. And I was like, that was a pretty good amount of elevation. I don't really want to do that. One, two, three, four, five, seven more times this week. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all agree that like when you get 3000 feet in, it feels like a pretty decent ride. It's not like a big ride, a huge ride or anything, but like 3000 feet, Kaz or Sarah, James, like you go home, you feel satisfied, right? Yeah. That's a solid ride. You're like I did yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So totally. Kaz, when you do that, you know, you do it like there are days, lots of times in the summer or when the weather's nice, when we're out there doing that, you know, three times in a row or something. And then I bet you take a day off, right? Yeah, and that's the thing with hers. Yeah, for sure. Like I ride a ton. I think the funny thing is I looked at my numbers. I rode almost the same number of days as her, but she rode double the amount of vert, basically. <laughs> you know, so like that means every ride I went on, I would have had to gone twice as long, which is like that's a lot of riding. So that helped put it in perspective for me. So yeah, oh, really man. impressive. What did she Sarah, what was her vibe after? Like, did she say, Well, now that I did it, I'm sort of done but mountain bikes for like a few months? Or was she like, Yeah, I'm just I'm done. Now I keep riding. What, did, what was her take on it? I'd say like I talked to her. She finished right before Christmas because she wanted to have the Christmas holidays like off. So she was like cuddling with her cat, drinking cocktails, like 
not thinking about the bike for a couple weeks, but you could tell that she was like trying to figure out what her goal for 2021 was. She was like, you know, I might want to race dual slalom at Sea Otter or just like ride the pump track more. Cause like when she was doing such huge elevation, she didn't want to ride the pump track. Cause it just is like such like kind of quick, like interval style almost. So she didn't want to burn herself out. Um, so yeah, just like you could tell that she was already thinking about her next goal and wasn't totally sick of bikes, which is impressive. Yeah. Sarah, have you ever done something like this? Like not a million feet, obviously, but have you ever set a goal, say like, hey, this week I want to climb 30,000 feet this week. Have you ever, or descend 30,000 feet, we'll say. Have you ever done anything like that? I've done, we did like a 3,000 meter day where we had to ride like the five different hills kind of in Squamish. So we rode like Pleasure Trail, Value Added, top of Valley Cliff. Um, So that was a pretty big day. I feel like I usually do like distance goals, but for one day, not for like a week or an entire season. Yeah. Yeah. I I have in the past put elevation goals sort of like in my head. And then as soon as I do that, I get carried away and like, I'll do the math. So like, I I, I know that for each ride, I have to climb like whatever it is, 3000 feet for like a couple of weeks, like every other day or whatever it is. But then I get all carried away and I'm like, I'm going to do 8000 feet today. I'm going to do 8000 feet. And then I I end up not riding bikes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the goal needs to be achievable or Kenya just discourages you, right? Kaz, Kaz knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know how your training plans go. <laughs> he goes Kaz, all out and then he quits for a while. <laughs> yeah. Kaz, do you ever do you ever set a goal like that? Uh, mine are kind of like along the lines of Sarah, more like a one-day goal. Like every summer I like to do it, you know, 10,000 for a day or 11,000, something like that. But um, Or a couple times a year, really. But other than that, not really. I just kind of ride a bunch. But So, yeah, I do respect the people that can tick off these crazy numbers. And this year it seemed like we saw Way more crazy numbers than usual. People did yeah. silly things. Crazy numbers are so good. I love you yeah. crazy people doing your crazy yeah, shit. Yeah, keep doing it's it. so good, Margo. <laughs> yep. Crush really it. really good. Yeah. Okay, let's go to questions. And my first one is actually for James Smurthwaite. This is from PB user CMAT17. CMAT17? I do have a question for the Pink Bike crew. He says, how important is racing to mountain biking as a sport? I don't see much non-endemic appeal to racing as a whole. Do you think the whole go-fast marketing is resonating with the average consumer, or is there a more measured approach that you would like to see, James? Um, Gosh, this feels like a whole podcast question, I guess. Um, How important mountain biking racing? Uh, I think it's hugely important. I absolutely love it because... um, it's great to watch, obviously, but also I think it, it, it goes from like the grassroots upwards, right? Like it's a great like community thing on a grassroots level and then through to like the elite stuff. It's just kind of amazing what those guys do. In terms of selling bikes, um, probably doesn't resonate with like a non-endemic audience, that's for sure. Like when you see things that go viral, it's like your rampage or um, I don't know, Crankworks maybe or like a Danny McCaskill video. Um, but with the the kind of the average mountain bike consumer, I think they're into it. I think they follow it. Going by numbers on our site purely, like it's some of the most popular content we do is racing. The top story last year was results from the Gang World Champs. Um, so clearly people pay attention to it. Um, and yeah, I, I I think it's it's really interesting. Whether that kind of win Sunday by Monday thing still happens I kind of I don't know, or if it's more kind of it, it, it kind of helps sell a brand and, and things like that. Um, I, you know, we probably need to speak to like a marketing manager or someone like that for that. But for the for mountain biking as a whole, yeah, I think I think uh, racing is really important. Yeah, I'd say it's important too. Even if you pull out pull the marketing side away, if you were you know even if we just if mountain biking was new and we just had some bikes and we we're just riding with our buddies in the woods, there would still be racing and competition happening. I think it's just a natural. A natural thing so racing super fun and i think people enjoy participating and watching so yeah even without marketing it would still happen so. sarah did you i know you follow racing pretty closely did you follow racing before you joined pb i followed the cross country racing and some downhill racing i definitely have got like more into actually following every single race and say started at PP. Yeah. I remember the first time when I was a cross country racer and I went to the world championships to watch, watch them at Mont saint 
and I didn't even stay and watch the downhill race. Uh, different times. Different times. <laughs> now I look back and I'm just like, what? <laughs> so yeah, now I would obviously stay and watch both races. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think for me, I have a hard time separating sort of like the marketing from the racing. I love racing, period. I love like anybody trying to be faster than anybody else do on anything. You know, I like that. But I sort of feel a little salty. And when I, a lot of times when I see racing, whether it's car racing or, or, or bike racing, I see like, like marketing. But Sarah, for you, do you feel like that racing might influence the purchase of a bicycle? I think it can. I mean, I think the most exciting thing about racing is that you don't know what the outcome is, like who wants it more and who has just that, like sometimes a race is won by less than a second. And so, um, you know, a bike brand can easily turn that margin into our bike is the reason or our suspension is the reason or our drivetrain is the reason that that one second happened on that day. Um, but it's easy. I feel like it's easy to separate the marketing from the racing. Like the racing is exciting. Even if they were all on the same bike with the same suspension, like it would, it would still be exciting to me. That would be cool yeah. to see. Yeah. I would love that as a one-off, just like unbranded, unmarked. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on the same thing for one. Everybody's one on the Grim Donut. <laughs> right? Like a race of champions, except for mountain bikes. It's almost like somebody at Pink Bike wrote about this a while back. <laughs> Some guy. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> So Pinkers, you tell us in the comments, does racing affect your buying decisions, your purchasing decisions? If somebody wins on a bike, are you more likely to purchase that bike or even want that bike? Uh, Let's move on to the next question. This one's for Casimir, specifically Kaz, because last week we were talking about shoes wearing out. This one's from Send It Every Day, and he says, what bike parts and accessories aren't wear items? Drivetrains wear out, brakes need to be bled, tires need to be replaced at least once a year, wheels break, grips and seats wear out, droppers need to be rebuilt, suspensions need servicing. At the end of a year or two, he says that he's left with a bunch of worn out components that he can't sell, a bunch of new components that are going to wear out, and thousands of dollars worth of debt. <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> That's wah, one way wah, to do it. Wah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think in the ideal world, you kind of stay up on your maintenance. Like you don't, everything does wear out, obviously, but usually not all at once. So you can kind of keep it, keep track of things. Like yeah, your tires eventually, depending on how many skids if you ride, like Levy, you'll wear them out a lot more quickly. But you'll, I mean, that's kind of like with anything. Like with your car, you can't, you don't just buy a car and just drive it until it catches on fire and be like, I need a new. That's exactly car. what I do. <laughs> I mean, though. yeah, I do too. But <laughs> I know I you're not supposed to. <laughs> So there's different <laughs> tactics, you know, I mean, like when I worked at a shop, there'd be some people that would just take, have their drivetrain and just run it until it was totally done and replace everything. And then there were the people that would replace their chain when they were supposed to replace their cassette and their chain ring. So there's different tactics, but yeah, I mean, this is a sport that we do because it's fun and it does cost money and there's no way around it. And if you're riding a lot, you will wear stuff out. So I don't know. I'm not really sure what his, not really a question here, but yeah, send it every day. Uh, your parts will wear out the more you ride, but hopefully the enjoyment you get from riding is worth the debt that sounds like you're incurring so yeah yeah i i think the the answer there might be upkeep maybe yeah just you know keep track of things and sorry tires i mean tires do wear out but if you cut them a lot of times you could use like an old piece of tire casing to fix them and if you stay on top of chain wear then you can make drivetrains last a long time if i mean if you brake less your brake pads last longer send it every day Maybe brake glass. Yeah. yeah. And bleeding brakes. That's just a maintenance thing. That's not a buy new brakes thing. So yeah. Same with service. You know, you're servicing your suspension, not buying a new fork every time it feels bad. So uh, yeah, just keep on top of stuff. Hopefully it makes it a little easier. All right. Time to get to our discussion for today's episode. And it is all about our mountain biking guilty pleasures. So in your day-to-day world, some of your guilty pleasures might be terrible food. I don't know. Maybe you're a smoker. Maybe you're a drinker. I don't know. Maybe you speed all the time. But when it comes to mountain biking, I think we all have some things that, I don't know, maybe we're just not all that proud to talk about. And Casimir, we're going to start with you today. All right. I can take it. <laughs> I think that recently, my guilty pleasure has been e-biking. I know. This e-bike showed up and was really fancy, so I charged it up and I've been riding it a couple times a week and it's pretty fun. Now, we have to just pause for a second here because 
I don't I don't think anybody should feel guilty about just riding an e-bike, but there is some backstory, isn't there here, Casimir? Well, yeah, I still think that I don't like how e-bikes have like were kind of brought into the sport basically as this I think it was the marketing. We kind of talked about marketing earlier in this podcast, but the marketing of e-bikes still rubs me the wrong way. It's been super annoying and um yeah, I have a lot I still have lots of things about that, but the actual activity of e-biking is really fun. So I'm still a little bit conflicted. And like if they didn't exist, I'd be totally fine if there were no e-bikes and then that would be fine. But the fact that they do exist, I can't ignore them. And then riding one's been pretty cool. So. How do you how do you feel after you ride an e-bike, Kaz? When you come home, do you just sit alone in your dark room or Yeah, just think weird, deep, dark thoughts. <laughs> I mean e-biking's weird. I mean, it is fun to to ride. I've always ridden a bunch before this is not the first time I've ridden an e-bike, but um, it is a different sport. Like we've always said, it's, it's totally different. Like even the way you don't feel worn out, it's a different, it's a different thing. And the, the speed, like uphill and downhill speeds or mostly just uphill speeds are so different that um, you kind of find yourself riding different trails and doing different strange rides. Like I've been going on weird night rides cause I got this crazy powerful light. So I've been going on a weird e-bike night rides, which is really You've strange. Night riding. You can Dude, ride whatever has, you want. Why are you riding I know, at night? It has 8,000 lumens and I just go to weird Holy places. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Whose light is I, that? It's a new magic shine. Yeah. Holy cow. It's 8,000. Like you don't even need a, it's a, it's a handlebar mount of the one I have, but you don't even really need a headlight with it because it's crazy bright. So I go deep in the woods and I just turn it off and sit in the dark a little bit. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seed a bunch of mushrooms, go for a yeah. bike ride and turn your yeah. headlight off. <laughs> yeah. That's just a normal Monday. <laughs> Kaz, do you remember 8,000 lumens? What the hell? Do you remember those <laughs> Nighthawks with 20 watt bulbs and they would like put an orange circle about a foot in front of your tire? Yeah, we used to have batteries that weren't in your bottle cage that weighed like 30 pounds. And but they'd so fall off. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. But yeah, so that's been kind of like part of my weird uh, weird winter program. But yeah, e-bikes, guilty pleasure. I still think there's issues that need to be dealt with as far as marketing and trail access and all kinds of other things. Um, but I, there are some places that I can ride them around here and they're pretty fun. And also... Oh, Wait, 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 Why are you, I, I, I don't mean this in a, I don't mean this in a mean way, but why are you riding an e-bike now where I feel like, I know we've talked at some point recently and it, I mean, maybe like months or maybe a year ago and it sounded like that wasn't an interest. So what's changed, I guess. We're, we're going to do an e-bike yeah. podcast, but what's changed about this? For me, it's because everybody else got them. Yeah. <laughs> the, the riding, the people I ride with, they started riding a couple of times a week. And I was like, damn, like that's probably pretty fun. I want to go ride with you guys. And uh, so now I have one that I can join in those rides, but it still doesn't replace the normal bike. Like I could never just e-bike cause it, it is different. And I, I like the, the pace and like the kind of flow you get in on a regular bike. Hey, tell me about your mountain bike rides that you go on after your e-bike rides, Kaz. How good does that feel? <laughs> They're so bad. You can't do it that way. You have to ride the regular bike first and then the e-bike. If you go e-biking first and then switch to the regular bike, you feel like the slowest, worst rider in the whole world. It doesn't right. work that well. Right. But they're also, I balanced it out, I mentioned earlier, but I balanced it out this weekend because I bought an electric chainsaw. So I feel like by using the e-bike to do more trail maintenance, it's helping balance out my karmic debt. And and that's why I, I can get like deep in the trails real quick with the chainsaw, clear out stuff, and then scoot out and then still have time to do a couple laps without the, ch- the saw on my back. So Electric chainsaws make all the sense in the world, don't they? Dude, they're so sweet. Yeah, you don't have to struggle starting them. It's not dumping uh, pre-mix all over your backpack. And it's... <laughs> always bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, yeah so that's my main guilty pleasure these days i'd say and then how how many times a week are you riding an e-bike Cass? uh twice usually okay. yeah yeah because this way i don't need to take rest days so now i can ride five days a week on the regular oh, bike boy. and then two days on the e-bike so i think it works pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> typical casimir you've got two other things on your case yeah <laughs> You got two other things on your guilty pleasures list here, Kaz. One of them is sugar. Yep. Why I, Why do you feel guilty about that? Sugar's delicious. I know it's so delicious, but I don't think I'm supposed to eat as much as I do. But I love sugar so much. Like I eat chocolate bars, donuts. Well, you are riding seven days a week. Pie. I know. I mean, it's probably a oh, pie. Yeah, I like pie too. I mean, I do have restraint, but not a ton, I think. Like if you were to look at my diet, it's mostly like empty carbs, like it's mostly, yeah, carbs. I have a strictly carb diet with like a few vegetables. Just, just bread and sugar? Uh-huh, yeah. Like bagels and cereal and sugar. Yeah. So, <laughs> if, I don't know if, yeah. <laughs> if nobody's seen, if you haven't seen Casimir, I just want to describe him. He's quite lean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Must be all the riding you're doing. Probably. 
Maybe the e-bike will make me stronger. I'll get some upper body strength. Uh, yeah, final guilty pleasure. I think napping. I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure either. These things are, I, I'm totally fine with all the things I do. But so I don't feel a ton of guilt. But some people probably don't nap as much as I do. But I nap every day for 17 minutes. 17 minutes. So precise. <laughs> it takes me two minutes to fall asleep. So I set my phone thing and then I lay down and then I wake up 17 minutes later. I'm like, good to go. This seems like you a Casper life hack, not a guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could fall asleep in two minutes, Kaz. Like right now, if you lay down on the couch, you could fall mm-hmm. asleep in two minutes. Probably. Usually when it's like my nap time, I can. It's not nap time. Now. Well, what time is your nap time? <laughs> uh, like two or three o'clock, usually before, before I ride. Like, do you put a blanket over your head or something or what, what do you do? Yeah, I just lay on. Yeah, I just I lay in my bed because working from home, there's benefits. But I can do it on the couch too. I just lay down and uh, just close. I don't like completely get ready for as if I'm going to bed because then I I think I would just sleep longer. So I just like have my clothes on and stuff. And then yeah, I can just nap. I can nap wherever though. Like even when traveling and stuff, I'm pretty good at napping. <laughs> Kaz, I don't think you feel guilty for any of these things. I, don't, I actually don't. <laughs> I have very little amount of guilt in my like thinking of guilty pleasures was hard. But these are things that people might not. People might try to make me feel guilty for them, so that's that's how I chose them. Do you ever do you ever ride a questionable trail, Kaz? Um, I mean, I ride illegal trails all the time, but I don't okay. I have zero. Well, I did want to say it just like yeah. like that, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Something else, Kazimer doesn't feel guilty for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Since Kazimer feels absolutely no guilt for any of those things, we're going to move on to James. Now, James, you got four different things on your list here. Yeah, a bit more. One of them is easy rides. Why would you feel guilty for easy rides? I don't know. I just feel like I spend uh, all my day, you know, sharing these videos of people shredding hard and you know blowing up turns and finding out finding the gnarliest trails. And like, I guess that's what we're supposed to aspire to as mountain bikers, maybe to like push the limits of the riding you do and things like that. But I mean, some days, normally, like, at the end of a week, I just want to spin my legs, look at some views, be outside, you know, be by myself. And that's, yeah, it's just a nice, easy, chill ride, you know. That That's kind of enough to kind of satisfy me. Strava off. Um, obviously not riding with someone. Like, the second you ride with someone, like, the competition kicks in. But, um, yeah, I guess, like, just because, you know. James. I don't think you should feel guilty for that. No, do you think yeah, you should feel guilty, Kaz? No, you should definitely do that. That's important. Like you have to balance, like balance your riding. Yeah, even for me, like I tend to think I should be riding hard stuff, but then I go ride an easy ride. I'm like, that's good. I needed that. You have to just like reset. So don't feel guilt for just chilling. It's important. See, I feel the guilt for the opposite is like I go too hard. I'm just like doing garbage miles. I'm not like doing intervals or doing like long base miles. I'm just like doing that zone two, like going too hard to do endurance and too easy to do intervals. So that's called the fun zone, Sarah. Yeah, that's just called riding. Yeah, Yeah, I just do riding riding now. I feel guilty about it because I used to be an athlete. (laughs) You're still an athlete, just not like a finely tuned one. Exactly. You're more of a hammer than than like a knife now, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we should also say too, James, that, I mean, you could make the easiest, flattest, simplest trail very fun with, you know, some skidding and some some wheeling and farting around, you know, you can make anything fun. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I think Nick Hanna, when Rick Hanna was asked about Leergang, he said like, anything's hard if you ride it fast enough. So that kind of attitude right? isn't it yeah but you can still go slow too james it's okay yeah oh, yeah i did your easy worry. rides are don't good. you worry yeah. yeah i don't want you out there stressing to make your easy rides hard that doesn't seem good yeah and i think too especially if you the people out there that don't own like six inch travel and duroy type things if you have a short travel bike you can take it on these easier trails and you can make that trail whatever you want and i mean as long as they're having a good time you know what you know what else james has a good time doing he says Watching world tour cycling. James, do you watch roadies? Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's such a different, yeah. like... It Me too. So, it seems so similar to mountain biking, right? Like, people go fast on their bike, right? But there's so much more to it than that. And, like, I love, like, really getting into, like, the tactics of what's going on um, and everything like that. And, like, I can say this because Brian isn't here, but I can just set it up on a second monitor. And it's just there in the background all day. kind of keeps me occupied. Um Takes my yeah. Brian takes my mind is off always here listening, James. 
um and like the performances of those guys is like superhuman like riding like 35 plus kilometers an hour for four or five hours up mountains like those guys are just insane athletes and like i know that there used to be like this real like roadies versus mountain bikers like two tribes thing which i don't i don't think is a thing anymore now like you see all the downhills they're all posting their road rides on on instagram and stuff but um yeah those guys are just incredible athletes and i really just like watching it it's really good do you watch the whole thing from start to finish i feel like the the ends are always really exciting but sometimes the beginning is pretty slow um i do when i can they're not always broadcast right from the start um but like the grand tour days i'll I'll watch the full day sprint stages and everything so yeah really into it i recently started watching cross-country ski racing if you want to be (laughs) one-upped speaking of suffering nerdiest (laughs) that's pretty good though too it's pretty quick they go so fast it's so exciting i know i'm like nobody would understand if i told them i was watching the tour to ski (laughs) cross-country race right now no i get that i get that all racing is just so exciting i think yeah i think to watching people suffer like watching people put everything aside and suffer um what is that running race down in the states kaz Uh, Um, berkeley marathon yeah there's some really good documentaries about that like i can't run more than 20 feet but i've watched so many running documentaries because it's people just putting everything they have into it i always get a tear in my eye when i see people cross the finish line (laughs) (laughs) I get a tear in my eye when I cross the finish line. No matter what the race is, I just start bawling. Yeah. yeah. You'll be crying this summer too when you're behind yeah. me. You can be <laughs> oh, we'll see, Kaz. We'll see. All right, James. The next thing on your list is trail builder YouTubes. People make YouTube videos of building trails. Oh, it's it's really good. You know, like some people have like ASMR videos where it's like they listen to some, like someone like whispers in a microphone to them and it like calms them down. I get that with like these like time lapse trail builder YouTubes and they'll just like here's me packing a jump and you just watch it go from like like a mound of, of loose dirt to like a beautifully sculpted like take off and landing. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's probably a bit strange, but they're they're very kind of just like soothing and satisfying to watch this like lovely trail come from uh from just bits of dirt and sticks and rocks and stuff. Yeah, I can see that. I think I forgot I have a guilty pleasure slightly YouTube related. Sometimes I watch Sam Pilgrim's videos on YouTube and he like I don't really like the whole YouTuber thing. But then him, he's been doing some funny stuff where he wrote like a bed frame. I was like, I'll watch this. And like watching Sam Pilgrim ride a bed frame like vertical downstairs. I was like, I'm entertained. So that's <laughs> that that, dangerous. That, yeah, he does dangerous things. You should I'll send you it. Leave It's like it's he's done a good job. I remember when he first went to YouTube, I was like, oh, he's just kind of not doing slope style this is not going to go anywhere but he's doing a pretty good job like i think lots of people could watch it but anyways i'm putting him in my guilty pleasure list now yeah send me that kaz i want to watch a guy ride a bed frame down the stairs yeah it's worth watching (laughs) i need some stupid ideas Uh uh-huh james we we call you tmz around here can you tell us why (laughs) Uh, i didn't know i i i that's news to me um PMZ maybe? Yeah, not to your face. Um, we don't say it to your face, just behind your back. Um I I do like the gossip. Um uh and um yeah, I guess like all the team rumors stuff is really interesting to me and then going to the races and, and catching up and hearing all the little stories, um, stuff like that. Yeah, general mountain bike gossip, I guess. Um not you know, I guess the tech stuff is interesting, but I'm more talking about like the racers and, and what they're up to and uh Who's who's going where? Who's riding? What they what? had for dinner. Who's yeah. dating who? Who's dating who? Yeah, yeah. Who's dumped who? James, for everybody listening, James has a Google Doc with everybody listed out on who's dating who on the World Cup circuit, and he updates it as things change and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you can pay for access if you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Casimir, I think we should do me. Do you want to? Yeah, do you want to ask yeah, me I'll about some this. of my guilty pleasures? I have one yeah. or two. Yeah, you definitely have things at least that you should feel guilty about. So we should go ahead and see. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Uh, I know what, having ridden with you a fair bit, uh, let's start with your your tendency to skid. Yeah. Skidding. Yeah, yeah. I do that. I don't feel guilty about it. Like, you don't feel guilty? No. Even when there's like, no. Yeah, just to defend it. Let's see. Okay, well, I mean, first of all, I don't think that you should just go out there and just like skid in a straight line down some beautiful trail that, you know. 
some nice person made. I'm not, I'm not saying everybody should go skidding, but I will say that when you're mountain biking, skidding is a tool that you can use to change direction and also have more fun. Right, Casimir? That's true. Yeah. And when you do it, you're usually yelling. I'd say like most of your rides involve lots of yelling and skidding. That's a Levy ride. <laughs> it's very, it's stressful for everybody else, but for him, he's having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I mean, mountain biking is fun. And listen, I know that w- you shouldn't skid and wreck things. I, I completely understand that. And there are places that I've ridden in the world where I would never dream of doing a skid on purpose, of course. Uh, but there are also places where Mother Nature will make your skid mark disappear in about five seconds of rain uh, or windstorm or whatever. And yeah, I mean, th- it's just bikes. Go out and skid. Obviously, I don't have to pay for my tires all the time. <laughs> you know, that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. You can find a grassy field and skid and then your tires won't wear out and then you can go for a really long time, especially you if it's rained. You should have seen the skid that I did down um, the Second Narrows bridge on my gravel bike on the weekend cast oh nice yeah that's another story (laughs) yeah i used to have a fixie and those are good for skidding but when it was wet you could never stop and you just go forever (laughs) yeah you just accelerate and Uh the the back tire on my gravel bike has a flat spot on it that i could feel when i'm riding it's like (laughs) worth it yeah and to answer penance for skidding yeah (laughs) let's see what else you also wait 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 wait. yeah I, i have a question for you guys do you guys feel guilty when you skid I don't really skid like you do, so no. Like, You're making it sound like I go out there and wreck people's trails on purpose, and that's you don't not wreck the case. trails, no, no. But you just have you're heavy on the rear brake more than I am, so I don't think I. It's just a different riding style. <laughs> yeah, you're more you're different. <laughs> what about you, Sarah? When you if you skid, like, is that something that you're like you actively avoid doing? I'm usually pretty proud of it. I don't do it all that often. Whenever I get to get skid, I'm like, wow, look at that. Check that out, guys. <laughs> Sarah Moore's on team skid. <laughs> James? Yeah, I I don't think about it that much, to be honest, which I know is bad, but when it's done, it's done, isn't it? You're not going to get yeah, back and rebuild the trail. Three to one, Kaz. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you shouldn't skid. Like, it happens. I just don't even think about it that much. Like, yeah. But when I think of your riding style, skids are like one of the top things I think about how you ride. So maybe that's why it's a little different. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also on your list, I know you've been doing this actually probably since it came out, but you're a Zwift guy. Yeah. In the wintertime. You go in your cave and yep. you, that makes you feel guilty? Um, well, you try to make me feel guilty about it sometimes. I do. Cause it's usually nice out and you're just staying inside playing video games with your bike. Well, it's like zero is not nice. Like I can ride whenever I want. I could like, if it's crappy outside, I can say, oh, you know what? Well, why don't I just do an indoor workout? Because it's going to be really nice. Like the next day, like I could still ride 200 something days a year if I want. Also, I like exercising. You know, like, and to me, I can almost separate the two things like cycling and exercising. And for me, when I'm on that stupid Zwift thing, like it's exercising and it also happens to make my outside riding way better. I will say that I do count them towards my Strava rides though, because I will admit that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you rode 200 days a year, but then you rode 50 outside and 150 inside. The one thing I can say to defend that though, is that usually my Zwift rides are much more physically taxing than some of the things that I do outside, especially this time of the year when it's so cold. So, yeah, I mean, I can say an hour on the trainer is like 20 hours outside because you can destroy yourself. It's also mentally challenging. Yeah, that too. Do you guys, yeah. Kaz, do you think it, Zwift is riding? Uh, no, I don't think it's riding. I mean, I think it's like fitness. It's, it, it's obviously the same exact fitness you get, but I don't consider it like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think I could just consider it training, not riding. I don't use it because I just go outside, but yeah. I understand. That's why I'm really. faster than you, because I train. Mm, we're going to see. Yeah, I exercise. I do too, when I'm on my bicycle outside. On your e-bike. No, that's not exercising. <laughs> All right. And I also know recently, you, same thing, the last couple of years, you're turning to a different different path. But you've been on a lot of skinny, tired bikes off-road. Mm-hmm. You're a gravel guy now too? A little bit. I don't. You just needed something to hold your saddlebag that wouldn't hit your seat, right? Yeah, exactly. With my suspension hit tire, bottom I mean. out, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just want to do something different. I was, I've been riding curly bars for longer than I've been on mountain bikes, probably twenty-five something years. And and these new gravel bikes, they make chill trails super fun, and it's just something different. You could go out and you enjoy cycling, and you're not on a mountain bike. And Casimir. You know, when we ride mountain bikes, every mountain bike, well, almost every mountain bike ride, we're thinking about something, you know, like you can't, 
a lot of times you can't just grab the mountain bike you want to grab and go for a ride without like making sure something is the way it needs to be and this and that and this. So when I get on a gravel bike, a lot of times it's like, I'm just brain off riding, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't hate you on that either. I used to road bike a lot and I haven't, it's been years and years, but now that gravel bikes are around and they look good and everybody has them, I probably need one of those too. Have you ridden one? Uh, no, let's see. No, I haven't really spent any time on the, the newer, newer gravel bikes. I've had, I've owned like a cross bike in the past and stuff, but not in the last five years, I'd say. So we'll get you an e gravel bike. I think that's what you'd probably I don't want. want. It, I definitely <laughs> don't want that. That seems like the worst of both worlds. <laughs> I think just like a nice regular gravel bike would be pretty fun yeah. out here. I should, especially al- it's like winter time. Right. I should also say that the other thing on my list is gravel road climbs, and the two kind of go hand in hand. I grew up riding bikes in Chilliwack, which that Vetter Mountain in Chilliwack for the longest time, like the first 20 years of my mountain biking life to get to the top of this damn mountain, you basically just climbed up the world's steepest fire road. So it's just ingrained to me that it's okay to be on a fire road. And I love climbing fire roads. People listening are probably like, what's wrong with that guy? It's fine. When I was a kid, I did the Mount Washington hill climb and that finishes like it's, it's paved road. And then it finishes with like gravel. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. How did, how did you, how did it go? I got third for juniors. Nice. Nice, guys. And what happened since then? It's just been all downhill since then. <laughs> no, that's it. That was, I peaked at the age of 16, yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Well, that's, let's see. Oh, you probably have one thing you, sh- you should feel guilty about, but you don't. Your uh, monster energy drink consumption. Because yep. it's how that's I get so much work pleasure. done. I'm waiting to see the work, but I could see <laughs> somewhere you're doing work. Yeah. Hey, they're sugar free. So the thing is, is yeah. like, it's not bad for me. There's no sugar in them. Mm. There's zero calories. What do they use to replace the sugar with? I don't know. What makes it sweet? Well, they have a bunch of big words on the can I can't pronounce <laughs> that I assume are yeah. just vitamins I need. Yeah. <laughs> I need to put rocket fuel yeah, in yeah, this rocket engine, Casimir. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> High octane. Right. <laughs> I feel picked on. Should we should we talk about Sarah? Sarah has a whole bunch of things here. For someone who is so chipper, Sarah, I don't feel like you should feel this guilty for all these things. I feel all the guilt all the time. No. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you feel the most guilty? What's your number one guilty pleasure then? Uh, ooh, I put it at the you bottom. Speed? Of Do you have a lead foot? Are you speeding in your little tiny car? My hand to fit. I definitely, I, I'm very, um, what's the word precise about, I will go like 20 kilometers over the speed limit. Cause usually if you go like nine, 19, 20, then the cop won't pull you over. So I'm, I'm very calculated in my speeding, but yes, I am always speeding. Right, right now, Kazuma's <laughs> like, that's way too fast. Slow down. <laughs> I'll go faster. My, my vehicles just don't go fast. I can't speed. That's true. Mine would go faster, but <laughs> don't want to get a speeding ticket on the seat of sky. <laughs> um, I'd say I I judge people's riding abilities based on their bike and their gear, which is totally wrong. And I always feel bad about it. And then, you know, often they'll just smoke me. But I kind of take take pride in being like, I think this person is going to be this fast based on what they're wearing and riding. I I don't. So first of all, I think we all do this. And I think the the word you should use instead of judging, maybe you should use... Uh, assuming judging sounds like harsh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong uh, with so looking I, at somebody. I make assumptions. Yeah. I won't feel guilty about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I assumed you would suck because your fork was on backwards, but then you passed me. And then <laughs> Your helmet strap was not done up correctly. I was assuming things about you. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you're not yeah. wrong though. When you see somebody, you know, yeah, like that's how the brain works. You assume, yeah. Yeah, I guess like people it watching. It's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, especially on like busier trailheads, it's kind of fun to just like look around at all the people and, you know, make up stories about everybody. <laughs> especially these days. It's wild at trailheads. I try to go <laughs> deeper and deeper in the woods. <laughs> I think along the same lines is this, Sarah. So a lot of times, like if I'm out on a say I'm out on like some new fancy S-Works Project One $12,000 thing, there are definitely times when I wear like a t-shirt and no gloves. And I think like in my head, a lot of times, like I don't want to look fast. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Right now, right now, Casimir's like, "Don't worry, you're not fast." <laughs> I didn't. Not judging you. Not judging at all. <laughs> Casimir's over there making assumptions. <laughs> when I used to, when I was when I was a kid, when I was racing, I had like a cheap Diamondback, so I'd roll up the start line and see people with these super fancy bikes that their parents obviously bought for them. It was always my goal to beat the guy with the fanciest bike. Like, yes, that was always the best when you could beat him. My bike was like four hundred dollars to beat the guy in the couple thousand dollar bike. I was like, yeah, I'm better than him because. Yeah. You've got you got fewer excuses when you've got the most expensive kit as well. Like, I always yeah, like exactly. to have a few excuses in my back pocket. Just yeah, yeah, yeah maybe that's it. I'm subconsciously looking at people and figuring out, okay, what's my best line for an excuse here? <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ever purposely wear something that would sort of like? this might be hard to explain. So uh, sometimes when I go out riding and I want to do a chill ride, I won't wear gloves. You know, and then for some reason in my head, if I don't wear gloves, that I'm just out for like a casual ride. I don't care about anything, how fast I'm going. Do you guys ever do stuff like that? Not really. If I don't wear gloves, I immediately crash in my hands. So I, <laughs> yeah. I stopped doing that a while ago. <laughs> I usually wear the same thing every time. I can I can tell myself to go chill if I have to. Yeah. More disciplined, Casimir. Yeah, I usually just tell myself, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do this loop. And then once I'm out there, it's like, okay, this isn't so bad. I'll keep going. But I kind of tell myself where I'm going or I'm doing an easy loop versus like what I'm wearing. And I always wear gloves too. Yeah. Sarah, another thing on your list here, speaking of where you're going, you drive to the trailhead sometimes. You say you feel guilty about that. I don't think you should. It's like a 20 minute pedal. <laughs> That's a warm up. I know. That's why I, f- I should yeah. do it. Not like sometimes if it's like really cold recently and then I've driven to the trailhead because I get really cold on the way down from the trailhead. So I, f- I still feel guilty about driving though. You know, I think this is just making the most of your time that you have available, Sarah. That's, That's what, what I tell say. myself too sometimes, but then I still feel guilty about it. Yeah, I have that guilt too. I feel a little guilt sometimes. <laughs> that's why I just try to drive further away and then it's like oh this would have taken forever to to, so <laughs> just drive <laughs> just shuttle then you feel no guilt if you shuttle right <laughs> there is definitely something nice too about just rolling right out of the house with your gear going for your ride and then rolling right back into the garage James can you do that in the UK where you are no that's why I've, I've like you have taken to gravel riding so much because it's just so much less faff for me like I live in a city so with a gravel bike I can just pedal to the edge of the city and, and there's trails but yeah, when on a mountain bike, it's a, just a whole like palaver even getting to the trails. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, when you're driving to the trailhead, you apparently listen to top 40 music. Yeah, when I'm on the trader or if I'm, you know, going out in the pouring rain and not super excited about it, I listen to, yeah, like Rihanna, Taylor Swift, like all, all of, you know, that's your pump pleasure. up music. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would imagine you're listening to. So I don't know. If that is true. Be. Yes. <laughs> it's called top 40 for a reason. There's other people that like it. So. Yeah, that is I guess true. so. But I feel like, you know, in this crowd doesn't always go over that well, right? Yeah. <laughs> Kaz, what do you listen yeah. to to get pumped up on rides? Uh, I don't listen to music when I ride. Oh. What about before you ride or like on the way to the ride? Do you just casually drive to the trailhead listening to NPR? That's what I picture you doing. I kind of do. <laughs> it's all quiet. Yeah. Doing the speed no. limit. <laughs> no, sometimes. I mean, I don't know. It depends. I like heavier music or. Yeah, I did. Well, my guilty pleasure when I went skiing the other day, I listened to Miley Cyrus and then I felt a little guilty about that. Isn't she top 40? Because that doesn't really jive. She's definitely probably top 40. I don't know. Probably. But it's not normally what I listen to. But I Does it know. get you shredding? seemed all right it worked for skiing it was like in my head and i was just bopping Harp, around some skiing pow. by myself yeah some what hot pow. yeah <laughs> i love it when all i ever remember is the chorus and then i'll just feel like riding down the trail and singing like the one line from the song <laughs> or climbing yes. and just like yeah. pedal stroke <laughs> with like the one line in my head <laughs> hey james when you're at your local trail center what are you listening to or do you listen to music uh yeah i listen to music when i ride normally um similar to cars more into heavier stuff Guilty Pleasures, I like the Dua Lipa album from last year. That was really good. Lots of uh, sort of disco bops in that one. Yeah, yeah. I I bounce back and forth between two bands that have absolutely nothing to do with each other, either the Rolling Stones or the Sword. <laughs> Thanks, Kaz, for introducing me to the Sword. By the way, <laughs> yeah. 
you haven't stopped listening to it since the same album i'm sure <laughs> oh it is yeah i just put it on and just do all the push-ups <laughs> uh-huh. sarah's like oh god <laughs> kaz is really good for music recommendations he's giving me some good ones as well like lightning bolt the other day he's, he told me about that i'm not stopped listening to them so yeah if you want some music recommendations go to kaz or that yeah. um that npr new music fridays is paying off yeah yeah there's some good like finished black metal i found the other day that's pretty good too so We'll have to do, maybe we'll do a music podcast side note one of these days or something. Like a weird tangent, weird music podcast? Yeah, I could definitely talk about music. Why do I feel like I'm not invited? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can bring a couple of picks, but they might not Brian, this sounds like a great podcast for Brian to join in. (laughs) Does Brian listen to music? I picture him listening to more NPR than me. Oh, I don't think Brian listens to music. No. No. Baby Shark on repeat at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, he's got like rap. Oh, that's my favorite song. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, a couple other things on your list include hot chocolate with marshmallows. Again, I don't think you should feel guilty, especially this is like after a ride, right? Yeah. That's just like straight up pleasure. Yeah, maybe it's just that it's not guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure. (laughs) I I do feel like a slightly like a child when I have hot chocolate with marshmallows, though. Like it just I think you like should. Something. Uh, yeah. I and guess. it's good. Mo- yeah. We should feel like children more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keeps me young eating all the sugar like has. Uh, often it's because I end up skipping lunch when I go out on long rides, which I feel is, you know, maybe not the best thing to keep your energy levels up. And then I get back and I'm just, so, you know, unless I drink enough water. Wait, then I feel great. Um, you're riding with a backpack and you don't take lunch with you? <laughs> what do you have that stupid backpack for? <laughs> <laughs> it's way too cold this time of year to stop for lunch. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, it is cold. Wet. Just go get back. <laughs> have the hot chocolate. <laughs> Sarah, the last thing on your list here is something that I know I'm guilty of, and I'm pretty sure Casimir's guilty of too, and maybe James. And a lot of other people are probably have, would have this on their list as well. It's riding questionably legal trails um trails that are sort of in that gray area of is it cool or not cool yeah (laughs) i think as long as you're not posting on instagram like yeah yeah it didn't sound like you had any guilt there kaz for riding (laughs) these trails yeah (laughs) no (laughs) i always feel slightly i don't know is it are are they legal or not everybody's riding them but like i I do like following rules so i'm I'm really good at following rules so (laughs) yeah like a lot of a lot of trails where i ride they're gonna like the zone's gonna get clear cut eventually so i don't feel any guilt of riding a trail like Mm -hmm. in a few years it'll just be a full clear cut so like who cares right yeah i i feel the same about it i think like you know i we don't i don't ride the trails that like go through the parks that are like specifically illegal but yeah i definitely ride all those lomers that i think we all know and love mm-hmm. i don't skid on them though everybody just yeah. i gently <laughs> modulate my brains <laughs> to leave no trace i think there's a yeah. there's a lot worse illegal things you could do than ride a bike through some woods right yeah. so i do some of those to too. feel guilty about <laughs> Yeah, and that's actually something that we'll definitely do a podcast on in the near future trail building and trail advocacy and trails being legal and not legal and and all that kind of stuff. But for now, I think that's it for episode number 43, Guilty Pleasures. Let us know in the the comments below, what are your mountain bike guilty pleasures? 